0: You can never go wrong with singing that one, all right. Good to see you tonight and invite your attention to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter number 2 tonight and we're going to be looking at the first three verses uh, in this chapter together and it's a fairly well-known few verses so I hope that uh, it's something that that you'll pay special attention to uh, tonight. I see uh, Gary and Patty over there continue to pray for Gary's uh, brother. And not just his brother, but his <coughs> cousin's family as well. Uh, both of those in very, very uh, serious uh, need and condition, all right, First Peter chapter 2, tonight, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere miracle of the word, that ye may grove thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of your word, the preaching of your word tonight. And God, may we have spiritual ears to hear of the things that you'll teach us. Pray for all around me tonight that are preaching the gospel. Lord, that you would use them for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, tonight, we have three or four things that we want to just kind of build our thoughts around. As we go through uh, these uh, three verses, as we think about the wonderful word, the wonderful word. First of all, we see the beginning story, the beginning story. Then he talks about besetting sins, besetting sins. And then he introduces us just to some baby steps, baby steps. And then lastly, the blessings surveyed, the blessings surveyed. Survey. those four things as we go through this text of scripture tonight you know the old testament the new testament uh, all the above that it teaches us of uh, the importance of God's word and that it points us always back to itself and that's just the nature of it and that's the importance of it that from beginning to end that we're to be people of God's word uh, you know first timothy it places high value upon the word of God. Job says that it's more valuable than is necessary food even. And then there in chapter number one, the psalmist says that he meditates upon it day and night. And so not only that, uh, as he kind of leads up to that, that uh, he says that it, his delight is in the law of the Lord, all right? That he delights in it, that it is the joy of his life as he starts to think about the word of God that it brings joy uh, to its very being. Now uh, that that thought in and of itself should bring a revival among most of us, right? Just the knowing that the word of God that it should be something that is exciting for us that it shouldn't be a drudgery for us to pick up the word of God and to read it and yet you and I both know that there's a challenge that we face every day to get into God's word because Satan he'll say oh you don't have time for that you got better things to be doing or whatever and yet when we look at the importance of it that the word of God is of infinite value to you and I as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to you and I who are trying to live out our faith in a very wor- in a world that's so very contrary to it. And so first of all tonight as we think about the beginning story. In verse number one, he starts out by using the word wherefore in King James, and maybe your translation may even say therefore, but the meaning there is still the same. And you and I know from our study of scripture when wherefore or therefore is used, that it tells us that we're to go back to the things that have just been spoken, and those are what he is going to continue talking about or pick up that subject Uh, once again. So in verse 23 through 25, what has he been talking about? He has been talking about the word of God, the value, the life that is in and through the word of God. That is not a dead word, but is an ongoing word, that it is an alive word, and it's an incorruptible seed. And so that's what he is talking about, was he is referring back to Uh, to those verses in 23 through 25. because this word that he is uh, infatuated with, that it is an unmistakable word, it's an undeniable word, that it's full of power, that it brings performance even in our life, that it causes us uh, to pursue the things of God when we get inside the word. It lives inside of us, that it causes us to serve, it causes us to stand in the midst of adversity in our life, Yes, it's a Word that's alive. Yes, it's a Word that is powerful. And then we take it in when we ingest the Word of God, that it does something in and through us uh, each and every time that we do so. Uh, you know, one of the great promises of anyone who preaches and teaches the Word of God Is found in the book of Isaiah in that the Word of God, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was set forth to do, all right? That's one of the great promises of the Word, and that anybody, if you stand to teach or preach, that you always have that as a confidence, knowing that the success of what goes on is not depending upon you, but the Word of God is powerful, and it'll get the job done every time. That the Word of God will get the job done. So that should also be an encouragement for those who teach and preach that we not manufacture uh, what, you know, what we have to say, but it be birthed out of the Word. All right. When we do that, that we can have confidence as we preach and teach the Word of God. So we see there this beginning. And then the second part of verse number 1, we see besetting sins. Besetting sins laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, and envies in all evil speakings. Now, have you ever heard the phrase that either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible? You heard that before? You know what? You've heard it before because it's true. It's very true. You know it is from your own experience. I know it is from my own experience that the, by the word of God and sin, that those two don't hang out together very well at all. That something is going to give in your life. And so that's what he is telling us here and reminding us that we are going to, when we get in the Word, that we forsake sin, forsake it, that way the Word will be a part of our lives. So if we fail to forsake sin, then we will fail to get in the Word of God. So it's very important uh, that we as believers, that we forsake these sins in our lives so that the Word of God will have priority, so it will have proper place in our life. And, and we have the tendency uh, to want to straddle the fence sometimes. But there's no way to straddle the fence when it comes to sin and the Word of God. Can't have both of them. Can't have your cake and eat it too. You're going to have one or you're going to have the other. For you, for me, it's the same for each and every one of us. So uh, the Bible, I believe it's James, it says uh, that the Bible is even a mirror that we see, it causes us to see ourselves as we truly are now uh what the what peter does here and what he says this isn't a a a limp-wristed suggestion all right that this is powerful that what he says that it is a command and what he says that he intends uh, for them to carry it out because he says it with great force and I'm, I'm always amazed at the writers of the word of God that they don't tiptoe around the issues, that they hit it square on the, right on the nose and they deal with it and they expect the people of God to obey the word of God. All right. And that, that hasn't changed. The, the demands of God, they haven't changed. When he says it, that there's the expectation that we as believers that we are going to follow through with it so he says that we are to lay it aside laying aside it means to reject it means to cast it away it's the idea of taking off clothing that is soiled clothing old nasty stuff that's taking on the grime of the day taking it off and throwing it in a pile that's the idea that we see here that we are to cast it aside now macarthur as i was reading after him uh, he he made a good a good point. I hadn't I've read it before. hadn't I hadn't, hadn't thought about it in regard to this. But uh, he he reminded us that uh, in Christian history in the ancient church, that that believers as they were baptized after they were baptized, that the church would would give them a new robe to put on after they were baptized. What a beautiful picture of casting away that which was soiled and that which was dirty and walking away in something that's new, undefiled, and clean, all right? And that's the picture we see here, casting aside that which is filthy, that which is dirty. Hebrews 12, 1, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that does so what? Easily beset us. So this isn't the only place that also... In Hebrews, that we're reminded to set these things aside. Now, this gives a, a, a generic, I guess you would say, list. It's pretty all encompassing, I guess you would say. But as he talks about malice, wickedness, trouble, ill will toward uh, other people. And I think at the core, it, it's about our, our attitude toward other people. All right, that's what malice is. Our attitude toward other people. Get rid of that filth in your life because it'll keep you from the word of God. Now, that, that, that hits home because it's easy for us to keep that stuff inside. That's one of the, that's one of us, us Baptists, one of our pet sins, those things that we can do on the inside that everybody else don't see. And so that he says, get rid of that mess, that stuff you hold against people. He says, get rid of it, because it will keep you from the word of God. Then he, not just malice, but he says, guile, that means deceit, dishonesty. The, the real word picture is baiting a hook, not being upfront, Man, if there's anything that Christian people should be, and that's honest. We should really, we should, what, our word should be good, right? Your word should be good for what it is. And they says, get rid of that dishonesty. Whether you're lying to your neighbor, lying to the government, whatever it is, get rid of that. it keep you out of the word of God. And then hypocrisies, insincerity, not being genuine. You know, that... Um, the root of it is from someone who is in a play and they play different parts and they put on different masks to, to whatever part they're going to play. Not being sincere, not being true through and through. All Christian people are the best at that. That we can come in and walk inside of these doors. We can put on our, our, on our religious face and be one person and walk out the door and be somebody else. God help us that we'll be genuine in who we are in Christ. He says when we are living in hypocrisy, it keeps us from the word of God. What you say, what you do, that we should be consistent with who we are. It'll keep us out of the word of God. Why? Because when we read it, we'll feel guilty and we'll, we'll, we'll back up from it. Then he says envies. It's really directed toward people, jealousy toward people. Things that they've accomplished, things that they possess, achievements that they have, maybe friends that they have. That stuff keeps us from the Word of God. We think, oh man, those aren't serious sins. They're serious when they keep us out of God's Word. You want to get serious with your walk with God? It's not going to come apart from being in God's Word. He says, these things keep us out of God's word. So it's highly important that you and I that we deal with these besetting sins in our life. That we do not, we don't, you know, we don't cuddle them, we don't pet them, that we don't nurture them, but we deal with them in our life so that we can get serious with God's word and evil speaking, gossip, whisper, defamation of character, talking about someone behind their back. We don't like people that does that to us. Do we do that to others? Christian people. Remember, he's talking to Christians. Wouldn't it be something? It'd be This should be to lost people, not Christians. And yet this is part of our life. He recognizes it. He says, get it out of your life. Get it out of our lives so that we can get in God's word. I want you to notice a, a A word that I think is interesting there in that first verse is the word A-L-L. Three Was it three times? All malice, all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. He says it's not enough just to take care of this and that. He says get serious with it. Cut it out at the root. Get real with yourself. Not just the things that are easy. He says deal with all of it. Each and every part of it. Eradicate it. You can't get into the Word of God unless you eradicate sin in your life. They don't coexist. May God help us to deal with sin. May God help us to get serious about being in His Word and doing what we have to do to get in it. We've all had times in our life, we've had a a renewed passion, maybe a renewed conviction. To get in God's word. And man, we go at it like gangbusters for a week or two or three. And yeah, they start falling away. Because we got undealt with sin in our life. Deal with sin so we can get in the word of God. All right? Verse number two there talks about baby steps. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Now, the key to this verse is newborn babes. That's the key to understanding this verse. And so Peter, that he uses uh, and plays off the terminology that Jesus used with Nicodemus, as he said, you must be what? Born again. You must be born again. And so that's the idea and the thought of being born again, that we are babes as we are born into the family of God. Now, a babe, a baby, a human baby, or whether it be uh, some other, you know, critter uh, that's walking around, that they are hungry when they come out of the womb, all right? And I've been hungry ever since myself. But that is just the nature of things, that they come out of the womb being hungry, that children... Uh, with with few exceptions that children are born with the uh, instinct to to feed and to to nurse to suck those things thank you we all understand that we all know that to be the case. you think about that you know for mothers who are feeding naturally that Uh, That within that first hour of that child being born, that that baby has the desire to nurse and to feed and to get the nourishment that is available to that baby, even within the first hour. So it is, the analogy is so true. And so applicable to us that we as believers, that we have that natural desire. And as I say natural, natural being in the realm of the spirit, all right, that we have that desire for the word of God. And so if a newborn baby, if it is not uh, on its own starting to want to feed and nurse, that they call in a specialist because they got to get some help. It's important. It's vital. That child don't start taking in nourishment. And yet we as Christian people that we think it's all right if we do without God's word. And so he throws up a strong uh, warning there that it's not all right. That it's not natural. It's anything but natural. For us to be out of the word of God. So he really commands us. This is another command in essence for us to desire the word of God. You see this word desire. It's a strong word. Another very uh, picturesque word. It's a word, uh, you know, if you, uh, you and I have probably never really been Hungry? There may be one person in this room who has ever really been hungry or has ever really uh, been thirsty, uh, but that, that's the idea. It's that sort of longing, it's that sort of, of, of something that comes inside of you that I have got to get something to eat, I've got to get something to drink. It's that, that longing that there's no other comparison to it. And so that's what he talks about, the desire that we are to have. That we are to to desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, maybe you have a translation that uses the word pure, pure milk. It means to be uncontaminated, uncontaminated. Uh, You know, I'm not an expert on this, but when... Uh, getting on the internet, you know how I love to do that. You know That from what I read, that when a mother starts to naturally feed a child, she produces colostrum. And this is the milk that is most beneficiary. It's the milk that helps the immune system. It helps condition the stomach. It helps get rid of waste. It gives the perfect blend of nutrients to help the brain, to help the eyes, and to help the heart grow properly. And so it is with the Word of God. You see that we can try to substitute our spiritual health. We can try to go and get other things to nourish us and get by but he says if you really want to grow, you're going to get the sincere, the pure milk of the word of God. And all these things in a, in a human way, all the things, how it benefits us in our human body as this small child takes this in, that it sets the course for the rest of their life. And so it is with our life as we take in the word of God, that it sets the course for the rest of our days. I've told this, I think I might have even told it from, from the pulpit. I'm going to tell it again because if I can't remember it, you probably can't either. Just a few, two weeks ago, I guess it was, mom, uh, mom said, hey, I got one, found one of your old Bibles. And so this old Bible was like when I was 12 years old or whatnot. And, and so looking through it, I had this and that jotted in it. And then, and then the back of it, I had Vicki Bailey forgot to read her Bible, XX date, 19, whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> and so, and so I, what did I do? I took a picture of it and sent it straight to Vicki is what I did. <laughs> and I tell you this to say for this reason, that Vicki, she used to always hold me accountable to read the Word of God. When I, when I was I don't know I guess I was 12 when I had that Bible and she was checking on me to see if I was in the word of God and so it, it worked the word of God works I believe it set me on a course for the rest of my life you know what you may be you may be older than 12 here tonight and you probably are but wherever you are start there and it'll set you on the course for the rest of your life. It's how important the Word of God is. I, I challenge you, I encourage you to get into God's Word and see what God will do in and through it. You notice that he, you know, Peter, he didn't say read X chapters and memorize this or write this down. No, his desire was to see, his desire was to see that everybody had a desire the desire is the main thing. The desire. You don't have to worry about how much you're reading or what you're doing when you have the desire. God, give us the desire to want your word. You know that we have, whether, you know, whether we're middle-aged or young or older or, or whatever, we all, we all need to eat. Now, I've noticed the older I get, the more I like sugar. Can I get an amen on that? (laughs) Melanie's great-grandmother, Audie, she lived to be like 95. She lived on Little Debbie's. It'll get you down the road for a little ways, won't it? (laughs) But you know what? In all seriousness, spiritually speaking, a lot of us live on Little Debbie's, and it won't get us too far. We may have a little, little, little high there for about five minutes but it won't get us very far. The Word of God that is called meat calls it substance, substance for our life. Helps us to grow. My point is that we, we must, in this body, we need to eat right. And that's me telling you, not that I do that, but I'm just telling you what we need to do. We need to eat right if we want this body to perform at peak performance. And spiritually speaking, if we want to be at the best that we can be, it can only come by taking in the proper nourishment, the proper nutrients. You know, if there's nothing any more sad than seeing little children that are malnourished, right? Tugs on your heart. There's something that's so wrong with that. Or what about when you see those old reel-to-reels of Nazi Germany when those men are being let out of those concentration camps and they're nothing but skin and bones. It's so wrong. It doesn't take a genius to say that's wrong. And yet spiritually spiritually, that the house of God is filled up with people week after week that are malnourished, that they can barely walk out the door, spiritually speaking, they're so weak. So what he says, so that you may grow thereby. That we are to constantly be growing. Growing. Now, Peter, in the end, of, the end of 2 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 18, he wraps up this 2 Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. The desired end is not simply to live to be, you know, 75 Wouldn't it be be freakishly weird for you to be 75, to be 7 pounds, 20 ounces? 20 ounces, that'd be 20 inches, 7 pounds, 20 inches. That'd be weird, wouldn't it, be 75? And yet, spiritually, some of us haven't grown 1 inch or 1 ounce since when we were born. See, we would think that was an atrocity. We would think, boy, that's weird. It's weird for us as believers not to grow mature. When we've been commanded to and not just commanded to, that we've been given the nourishment. It's available to us for us to grow day in and day out. And yet, spiritually speaking, that's where we may find ourselves. Lastly, in verse number three, we see the blessings that are surveyed. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I think the, the way that you and I will best understand that verse is that you see the word if, that it is a word that really means sense, not if as what we would say it's a question it's not a question it's since you have tasted Peter's argument here was that since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious that you know this is true Psalm 34 says taste and see that the Lord's good it's a theme that runs throughout the word of God that we taste that we experience that it wets our appetites for what God has in store next. This says you were saved, you've been saved. Since you've been saved, you've experienced the forgiveness, the freedom, the joy, the empowerment that comes from being forgiven and since that's the case that you know you want more of God's word because this word that it's life. This word's life. Peter knew it also very well. And so he says that we who have experienced grace, that we of all people, that we should want the Word of God. That we of all people, that we should desire the Word of God. So our prayer tonight, my prayer, is that I, will have a greater desire for God's Word. That's my number one concern tonight is myself. And then number two, that you, that this church, that will have a greater desire for the Word. The Word that's life. The Word that is indestructible. The Word that changed your life. So don't set it on the shelf and don't leave it be. But take it and grow. Grow. It's a natural thing. Grow. Take the nourishment that you need from this word and grow. You've been there. I've been there. Countless people are there right now. All in their life. They're spiritually lacking. They're spiritually anemic and weak. Why? Not in this. Show me somebody who's in this. They'll plow plow through. When life gets tough, they'll keep trucking. Is their life going to be easy? Probably not. Only preachers have easy lives. That was a joke, people. But when we get in this word, when the rough days come, when the winds blow, rains beat down, we'll be built on the rock. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word, and God, thank you for, the Lord, just the fact that you've encouraged us to it.